Dana throughout the service. Keep me straight. <laughs> Amen. And I think the Lord orchestrated that to get you guys happy before I stepped up here. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's just stand. I just want to stand. I know we've been worshiping through song, but let's just begin to minister to the Lord. For He inhabits the praises of His people. We just thank You, Father. All that You just manifest Your glory this morning in the giving of Your Word, Father. I thank You that as we receive Your Word, as we embrace the truth of it and we understand it, that we are conformed to the image of Your Son and our soul, which empowers us to be able to walk in all that Jesus provided through His death, burial, and resurrection. Father, and be a demonstration, a representation of Your true nature and character in the earth, Father God. That we wouldn't just walk in Your will, but we would walk in Your ways, Father. Oh, we give You praise. There's none like You. Hallelujah. We thank You, Father God, for Your great love for us. We thank you for the grace of Jesus Christ, our Lord. And we thank you for the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. And Holy Spirit, we just acknowledge you this morning. We value you. Oh, we value you, Holy Spirit. We recognize you're not a lesser part of the Godhead. In fact, you are the present part of the Godhead that we interact constantly with throughout our life. We look to you, Holy Spirit, to do the work through us, the work that Jesus provided for us. You do it through us. Holy Spirit, we value your ministry, and we depend on you this morning. Enlighten us to truth. Oh, hallelujah. Enlighten us to truth, that we be transformed. Oh, that we be conformed in our soul to the image of Jesus and then transformed in our life. Mm. Hallelujah. That we bring demonstration and experience of heaven into this earth, Father God. Oh, hallelujah. We give you praise. We give you praise. We give you glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. You can be seated and turn in your Bibles to Galatians chapter 5. We are really emphasizing the ministry of the Holy Spirit this month. If you haven't been here on Wednesday nights, well, all I can say is you're missing out because Reverend Marvin Yoder has been bringing an awareness of the Holy Spirit uh, that has just been glorious, amen, just glorious in uh, just the awareness of the presence of the Holy Spirit. You know, God has come to his people through the Holy Spirit and he said, I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. A lot of the, you know, Christian circles have this idea of we're calling God into our, you know, calling God down like he comes and goes. But he came. Jesus said that if I go, I'll send the Holy Spirit to you. And he will be in you forever. That means he doesn't ever leave you. Sometimes you feel like it. You may not be aware of his presence. But once he comes to live on the inside of a believer, he never leaves. 
It's really just our consciousness, our awareness that causes us to feel like he's far away when he's always right there. We always have the answer. And uh, we have got to learn to cultivate a consciousness of the Holy Spirit to where we live a supernatural life. Too many believers are living their life miracle to miracle. Because they don't have an awareness of the constant indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. And so we live our life kind of like what Pastor was talking about last week. We live our life not unified with the Holy Spirit. And we end up getting into situations where we need a miracle. We get it. Then we walk in our life not conscious and aware of the Holy Spirit. Not interacting. And then we find ourselves needing a miracle. Because of our unawareness of what we have. But I'm here to tell you, we have already, if you're born again this morning, you've received every miracle already. The Bible says you have passed from death unto life. It says that he has blessed you with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. It says by the stripes of Jesus, you were healed. Every answer to every problem, every miracle has already been granted you and, 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 and put on the inside of you through the person of the Holy Spirit. Mm. And I really believe this. I, I, know, I believe God's desire or his intent was not for us to live miracle to miracle but that we would walk in greater degree throughout our life more and more in the reality of the divine life of God that's on the inside of us. That from the moment that we're born again, we receive the divine life of God in every miracle, that as we grow in our awareness of what we've received, that our life, we just our experience of that just increases more and more and more. That's one of the reasons I think we, we have this idea. We see Christians, when they first become a Christian, they, get, they got miracles popping up in their life all the time. Because they need them. You know what I'm saying? Does this make sense? I remember when uh, Rhonda and I first really you know, started following the Lord relationally and getting revelation. She was cured of three... In- she was healed of three incurable diseases. I mean, she was healed when she was born again, but the manifestation of those, you know, she was a believer, but she was being oppressed by sickness and disease. Three of what doctors call incurable diseases, she was healed of, you know, and that's been 20 years ago. But what I know is that if you receive something by a gift of the Spirit, then you have to continue to walk in revelation to stay free. And too many believers, they just get what they need for the moment. They don't change what they're doing. And they find themselves in a problem again, needing another miracle, haven't grown up and and matured spiritually, so they need somebody else to receive from God for them again. And thank God that he's made provision for that. Listen, if there's any sick among you, let them call for the elders of the church and let them pray over them, anointing them with oil and the prayer of faith will save the sick. But that's not supposed to be the normal life for the believer. 
We're supposed to grow up spiritually and not just be a receiver, but be a dispenser of the life of God. Really, miracles, gifts of the Spirit, the target audience of those is not the body of Christ. It's the unbeliever. Miracles and signs and wonders, signs point to something. They're really the confirmation of the gospel. We are supposed to learn to receive by faith. What's the Bible say? The just shall live by faith. We're supposed to learn to receive by faith in the grace of God that he's provided through Jesus. We're to grow up spiritually to where we are able to walk in the life of God. And then we're able to, through gifts of the Spirit, demonstrate to those who are outside of the body of Christ the reality of the kingdom of God. As we go proclaiming the gospel, the good news of the kingdom of God and the forgiveness of sins, then we're able to demonstrate that in the lives of people who aren't even born again. Listen, you get somebody healed, receiving Jesus is just the next step. You know, everybody got healed in the Old Testament was not born again. I'm going to say that again. Everybody who got healed in the Old Testament were not born again people. So the target audience isn't in here. I'm going to say that over here. The target audience isn't in here. God does demonstrate the gospel because we preach the gospel here. But his desire is that you walk in. The blessings of God. That you forget not the benefits. And that you live in the reality of what Christ has already provided for us. I think the reason that we don't though is not that we don't desire to. It's that we don't understand how. Many believers have the wrong paradigm when it comes to walking in the things of God. And though they desire that, they don't know how to execute it. And so that's what I want to talk about this morning. So it might get a little dicey in here this morning. I don't know for sure. Um, But, you know, I want to help you. This is what the Lord's been talking to me about this week. There are people here. You've been a Christian for some time. And you seem to be going around the same mountain. This is what he was showing me. You seem to be going around the same mountain, facing the same problem. Over and over again, and you're wondering why, and I believe I have an answer for you this morning. I believe I have an answer for you. It's not because God's saying no. It's not because God is turning away or has pulled back his desire for you. God doesn't change. He cannot lie. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. His will toward you is that you... Walk in his blessings, that you experience his blessings. So, it's not on God's end. In fact, that's why we call it the finished work of Jesus. (laughs) Because he has already provided everything for his people. In fact, in the spirit, you're sitting at a table that is just filled with everything you could ever need. But you can sit at a table and not partake. Okay, so in Galatians chapter 5, Galatians chapter 5, verse 16, the Apostle Paul says, I say then, walk in the Spirit, 
and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another, so you, that you do not do the things that you wish. Listen, Jesus has sent the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit gives the ability, gives us the ability to walk in victory over sin and the effects of sin. I'm going to say that again. Jesus, he came and redeemed us. He, he bore his, uh, he offered his body on the cross, shed his blood to bring about redemption, which is the forgiveness of sins, so that we could be reconciled to the Father, that we could be justified and made righteous. That means qualifying us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints. And then he went back, he ascended and was seated at the right hand of God, and he sent the Holy Spirit to make all that he provided a reality in your life. He came to give us victory over sin and the effects of sin. So when I say the effects of sin, I'm talking about sickness and disease and addiction and disorder and depression and anxiety and fear and all of those things that came into the human experience through original sin. He came to free us from all of that. Man. I said he came to free us from all of it. But it comes by way of walking in the Spirit. And here's the thing. Most believers are trying to resist the flesh rather than walk in the Spirit. There's a saying, don't get it twisted. Here's the problem. Most believers look at that and they say, if I could just resist the flesh, I'll walk in the Spirit. That's not what it says. It says, if you walk in the Spirit, you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. But people are just trying to deny and resist their flesh, which doesn't give them the ability to walk in the Spirit. There is a, there is a process of walking in the Spirit. I like the way the ESV says this. It says, walk by the Spirit. Which walk in the Spirit, to me, really gives more of the connotation of self-effort. But walk by the Spirit really shows us that it's the Holy Spirit that that empowers us to live the life of God's design. And I would say that a majority of believers are living by self-effort. In fact, the whole book of Galatians is about getting out of the law and getting into grace. Because the Holy Spirit works through grace, not through the law. The law is about performance. Grace is about promise. Promises fulfilled through the finished work of Jesus. Mm. We have got to learn to walk in the Spirit. See... Your greatest enemy or your primary opposition is not the devil. I hate to say that because that's, that's a real good uh, crutch for people. Well, it's the devil. Remember, the devil made me do it. Last I, last I remember, when Jesus died at Calvary and rose again, he defeated the devil. <laughs> yes, he... he uh, 
disarmed principalities and powers. In fact, it says he paraded them through in the spirit realm and made an open show of them that they were defeated. They're defeated in the life of the believer. Your greatest enemy is not your circumstances. It's not other people. It's not the devil. And to borrow a meme that Pastor Greg likes to put up, here's your greatest enemy right here. When you finally catch the fool that's been messing up your life, you need to just have a good look in the mirror. Our, our greatest opposition is not the devil. You know, I like what Bob Yandian says. Bob Yandian says this. He says, the flesh is really harder to deal with than the devil. Because you can cast out the devil, but you can't cast out the flesh. And the Holy Spirit was given to us for us to have the ability to bring our flesh into subjection to the will of God in the ways of God. To the will of God and the ways of God. I'll say it like this. The Holy Spirit, we are to live by the inspiration and empowerment of the Holy Spirit. That's why I say a lot of times that being a Christian is not me living for God. In fact, we had, you know, what, a couple thousand years of, of the people of God living under the law. What that showed us is that it's impossible for you to serve God out of your own self-effort. That's what it showed. The law was given to show us our inability, not what we needed to do. It showed us our inability to live the way that God designed us to live. So that we would recognize there was something deeper wrong with us. It wasn't just my inability to change my behavior. No, I had a nature on the inside that was rebellious toward God. Jesus came and died so we could receive a new nature. Ezekiel 36, I'm going to give you a new heart and a new spirit and cause you to walk in my statutes. See, the Holy Spirit came to make us able To give us the desire and the ability to live in the will and in the ways of God. But most people, even though they have the Holy Spirit on the inside of them, they have the divine life of God, they're still living out of their own self-effort. And that's why we're not... Let me ask you something. If the Holy Spirit or the divine life and power of God is released into your situation, could a sickness stay... In that environment. Think about it. Could, can addiction stay in your life if the Holy Spirit has predominance in your life? Absolutely not. The very moment the Holy Spirit comes into contact or the life of God comes into contact with disease, disease is gone and health is, takes its place. Right? So see, the believer is what we have to learn to do is we have to walk by the Spirit and we will not fulfill the lust of the flesh or the desires of the flesh. The word lust is the word epithumia. It's where our problem is. It's in the flesh. In the Spirit, in your spirit, man, you are one with Christ. Paul said that in 1 Corinthians six seventeen. He said, he who has joined himself to the Lord is one spirit with him. 
In your spirit, the, the spirit part of you, which is the real you, you are completely redeemed. You're completely saved. You're completely healed. You're completely delivered. You're completely blessed. You say, but I need some relief on the outside. Well, I'll tell you what your problem is. Is you haven't allowed the word of God to change the way that you think. And you begin to operate by the power of God rather than just your willpower. Man, I disciple people and I hear people say, you know, I do things I don't want to do. And then I swear I'm not going to do them again. Well, that's not going to (laughs) work. That's not going to work. That's why you're going around that mountain again. Because you haven't changed what you need to change in order to have victory over that thing. And you can only last so long with your own willpower. You can hold off for a little while. And some people have a stronger will than others. But eventually, you'll let your guard down. And the flesh will have its way. And that thing pops up again. You're like, how does this keep happening? Because your will isn't enough. You need to grow and mature in walking by the Spirit. And then your life will begin to transform. Okay, so look at James chapter 1. See, our problem is what is the unredeemed part of us, the flesh. Okay, in our spirit, we are redeemed, as I was saying. But our body is still fallen. Praise God, a blessed hope that we have is when Jesus comes, we get a brand new body. Amen. It'll be one that's glorified, and you won't have the nature of the flesh in it anymore. Right? But then we have a soul that was trained by that body for years. It was taught. It was taught how to have certain attitudes, appetites, and affections that are anti-God. And the thing about it is when you get born again, you get the new spirit, you have this desire to live for God. But unless you change your mind, your soul, if you don't conform your soul to the truth of God's word, then it'll be like nothing even happened. Does that make sense? So we have to renew our soul to the realities of what the New Testament reveals has happened to us through Christ. And when we do, the more we are able to understand and embrace and apply those to our life, the more freedom and liberty we're going to experience. In James, he tells us this. So see, the, uh, your greatest enemy isn't the devil. Look at this. Let no one say when he's tempted, I'm tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he's drawn away by his own desires and enticed. The word desires is epithumia. It's the same word as lust in Galatians chapter 5. Listen, we've had a lot of teaching on the world system. The devil isn't even the um, immediate tempter. He doesn't say that here. He doesn't say the devil is tempting you. He tempted Jesus, but it doesn't ever say he's tempting you. He's opposing you. But it's the system that was built to appeal to the epithumia of the flesh. But if you didn't have the flesh dominating your life, you could walk free from the temptations of this world. 
Oh, my goodness. No, he, says, he puts it right square where it belongs, in you. It's the lust of the flesh that causes us to be tempted and give in to temptation. And look at this next verse. Then when desire has conceived, because listen, when somebody's being tempted, especially a believer, okay, you're, you're going through it in your mind, right? Anybody been there before? You're wrestling. I know I don't want to do that. But then your mind comes up with all kinds of reasons and excuses for why, we, why you should. Because the body's going, I'd really like to do that. <laughs> the spirit is going, no, 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 no. That's not who you are anymore. That's what the spirit's saying. That is not consistent with who you are. But then the body's going, yes, it is. <laughs> And you know where the battle's going on? Right here. And it depends on if your soul is conformed to the body, to the flesh, or if it's conformed to the spirit on whether you're going to go with the flesh or whether you're going to go with the spirit. Listen, once it's conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it's full grown, brings forth death. Death is the effects of sin. Man. So what do we need to do is we need to learn how to, let's go back to uh, Galatians 5.16, is we need to learn how to walk in the Spirit. Because listen, this is, this is real plain. Walk in the Spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So where is the emphasis on Walking in the Spirit. Man, I was trying to think of an example. Think of it like this. Let's say you got a group of boys that all got together over at your house and you let them go outside to play. If you just turn them loose, oh my. They're going to find some stuff to get into. Because if you just turn them loose and leave them to their own uh, you know, decision-making... And then all you do is just come out every time they're doing something wrong and say, hey, stop that. That's not going to work. That's how, that's how most believers live. They just, you know, they just left to their own devices. Then they get into things they shouldn't be doing and they're just saying, hey, stop that. But here's what you do. If you were to take those boys and go, hey, we're going to go out here. We're going to play baseball. Here's a bat. Here's a ball. Here's some gloves. Here's the bases. And you channel their attention or their energies in a certain way, then that's different. So that's what the Holy Spirit's trying to do. He's trying to channel us in a certain direction. If we would get our thinking in line with the will and the ways of God and walk by the Spirit, we would by default not fulfill the lust of the flesh. I said we would by default not fulfill the lust of the flesh. But religion focuses your attention on everything you're not supposed to be doing. And it blinds you to everything you could be doing. Mm. It is a subtle distinction. And that's why we're so easily deceived. Into operating by the flesh rather than walking 
by the Spirit. You know, Jesus said this in John 14, 30. He said, the, rule of the, wor- of this, the ruler of this world, which that's cosmos, is coming. Listen, that, that's a word to you this morning. The ruler of the cosmos is coming because he's built a system that will appeal to your flesh. But this is what Jesus says, but he has nothing in me. Man. He, he said, he, he didn't say he has nothing on me. He said he has nothing in me. In other words, I don't have the desire, I'm not... I don't have the desires of the nature of the flesh that are going to cause me to be tempted with what the ruler of this cosmos is offering. Can you say he has nothing in me? I'm not talking about in your spirit. I'm talking about in your soul. See, the process is we have got to be renewed in the spirit of our mind so that we're able to walk in the spirit. And not in the flesh. Let me move on here. For the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish. Listen, by default, the flesh is going to have the upper hand. So you're going to have to learn to walk in the spirit if you're going to overcome it. He says, but if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. You don't need to be. The law never gives you the ability to walk in the things of God. This is what he's teaching. And most people relate to God on their performance, not on the promises that have been fulfilled. And so they are trying to live a law-based life. And you know what the law actually does? It actually gives sin an occasion in your life. It empowers the flesh. The very moment you say, I'm not doing that again, just get ready. You're going to do it. (laughs) Because the nature of the flesh goes, oh, watch this. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, adultery, Idolatry, sorcery. You know, we we see those pretty easily. But how about this? Hatred, contention. Jealousy, outbursts of wrath. Selfish ambition, dissension, heresies. Sowing discord among the brethren. Division. Envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like of which I tell you. Beforehand, just as I also told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such, there is no law. See, here's the thing. I think a lot of the church, especially charismatic church, has been so focused on gifts that we've neglected maturity in the fruit, which is the nature and the character of God. We've gone after the will of God because we know God's will is that we spread the gospel and we demonstrate the power of God. But listen, gifted people, man, let's say this. There are a lot of gifted people who are operating in the power of God, but not the nature of God. 
You say, you can do that? Yes, you can. You can operate in the gifts of God because those are given. Those are given, but the fruit of the Spirit is developed. And it's a problem. One of the reasons, you know, pastor was teaching on lack of unity. That's the reason why we have a lack of unity. Because we don't have people operating in the nature of God. Everybody's focused on the power of God. And listen, I believe in the power of God. I've seen God heal cancer. I've seen God heal my wife of three incurable diseases. I've experienced being healed from rheumatoid arthritis. I believe in the power of God. I love the display of the power of God. But I love the fruit of the Spirit more. Because I believe the fruit of the Spirit is more important than the gifts of the Spirit. And I believe the Bible teaches that. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 says, If I can move mountains, but I don't have love. Listen. That is the key. The will of God is the power of God, but the ways of God are the nature and the character of God. I'll give you an example of this. The, uh, the disciples were with Jesus. And they were going to Samaria, which had, or they had rejected Jesus. Samaria had rejected Jesus. And you know, uh, was it James and John that said, Lord, you want us to call down? Fire? They wanted to burn them people up. They said, you want us to call down fire from heaven on these people? And Jesus rebuked them. He said, you don't know what spirit you're of. But you know where they got that? They got that from Elijah. Elijah did it. But they had seen in the word somebody operate in the power of God. But Elijah was not operating in the nature of God. That's what he was saying. You've seen the power of God in operation and you want to operate in the power of God without the nature of God. Oh my goodness. So you may display the power of God, but you're not going to display the nature and the character of God at the same time. And God wants both. But what happens is we're all focused on gifts. We neglect the fruit. We can go around and do the, we can operate in the power of God from selfish places and not be mature. And you can have people operating in the gifts of God and their personal life is a wreck. Oh my goodness. Mm. There were great, there were great revivalists and stuff. And I'm not going to go into the details of it because you can find that out for yourself and I need to move on. There were great revivalists who displayed miracles, signs, and wonders whose lives, as far as nature and character, were a wreck. Behind the scenes, they, were, they, they had trouble. God wants consistency in our lives. He wants us to walk in the divine power of God. And then when we are in the marketplace, demonstrate, uh, or walk in the nature and character of God, and in the marketplace, demonstrate the power of God. You know, in fact, Jesus, most of his miracles were not in the ministry space. They were in the marketplace. In fact, I think there were only three recorded of 39 that were actually in the ministry space. The rest were all in the marketplace. That should tell us something. So we've got to learn to walk in the Spirit. And actually, I believe if we would truly walk in the Spirit, we would see effective ministry and the gifts of the spirit would accompany would accompany that we would see god do things you know just by uh the manifestation of his presence in the place 
you know, not be working at it, trying to make it happen, but we would just see the flow of divine life and the manifestation of the glory of God uh, touching people's lives in a powerful way. But we are going to have to do the things that are necessary, get in the process. There's a process. See, development of something means process. Let's look at uh, Romans chapter 12. He says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world. That shows you that the system of the world is trying to mold you. And what do I mean by that? Through your, the way that you think, through your attitudes, your appetites, and your affections, trying to mold you into the culture of the system that Satan created in this world. He says, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. The reason he says three, three things there, good, acceptable, and perfect, is that shows you that there are three dimensions to spiritual growth. It's a process. He talks about this in other places. Jesus always taught three dimensions of spiritual growth. 30, 60, 100 fold. Blade, ear, full corn in the ear. It's always, it's always three dimensions. It's a, a child, a young man, and an adult. So it shows you there's a process of becoming spiritually mature. Man, people don't like this. You know, should I just go to Acts 2? Let's just preach about being drunk in the Spirit. And let's just, uh, you know, get crazy. You know, they're not drunk as you suppose. They're drunk, but just not the way you think. No, that's a problem. We don't need emotional stuff all the time. You know, we don't need cake and ice cream. We need to grow. But he says that you may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. But we are transformed by the renewing of our mind. The word transformed is the word metamorpho in the Greek, which is where we get metamorphosis. I remember when I was a kid, I, I don't know if kids do this anymore. We used to go catch tadpoles and crawdads and all kinds of stuff. And I remember uh, being in Missouri one time, and they had some of them big old tadpoles because they got those... Big old frogs over there. And, you know, you'd find some had half legs growing on them and stuff. They were in mid-process. They were in a process of being transformed from one form to their ultimate form. Not something different. It was actually the mature form of what they were to become. See, a tadpole is just a baby form of a frog. (laughs) But they're the same creature. And a believer is supposed to go through that same process. We're supposed to go from someone who's just a carnal, dead, spiritually dead human being to someone who's filled and full of the life and the nature and the character of God. On display. It's fruit. It's supposed to be on the outside. <laughs> We're supposed to go through a metamorphosis, which is a god ordained process that's God designed and end up being what God intended from the very beginning. But there's a process that you always have to go through. It's the caterpillar to the butterfly. Which is it? Was it a caterpillar or a butterfly? It's both. 
But what does the caterpillar do? It goes in the cocoon. It goes in the God-ordained process. And in that process, God, what God put inside, its DNA, transforms it into what it was intended to be from the beginning. Listen, you have the DNA of God on the inside of you. If you are born again spiritually, you have the spiritual DNA of God. You have the life, the nature, the character of God. I have the life, the nature, and the character of God. I have the DNA of God in the Spirit. I am born of the Spirit of God. You were born of the Spirit of God. You were born from above. You were born of Him, born of God. You are Spirit of his spirit you have the potential of the very life and nature of God on the inside of you yes you do you have the ability to walk in love not toward those who love you but those who don't you have the ability to display the will and the ways of God in the lives of people who don't know who he is and to your brother and sister here in this congregation. You have the ability to walk in unity and love towards your brother and sister. Yes, you do. It's your DNA. You've got to get in the process and be transformed. Go through the process and let God metamorphosize you from your former, your former image to the image of God. It's already on the inside of you by the Holy Spirit. But you've got to get him engaged in your lifestyle so that he can cause you to be transformed in your soul first. Just saying, I'm not doing that anymore. I'm not going to act like that anymore. I'm not going to exhibit those attitudes. I'm not going to be short-fused. That's not going to help you. It's not going to help you. You have to be... You have to go through a metamorphosis of your soul first. You have to be changed here in your soul. And in fact, you know, I was thinking, I was doing some studying on this because I really believe in Ephesians, he says, to be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Different from what he says here. And the word spirit there isn't talking about the Holy Spirit. It's talking about the word spirit like attitude. Okay, so in the attitude of your mind, I really believe in the studies that I've been doing, that's talking about that you have to be renewed on a subconscious level. Here's the problem with modern Christianity. We've fallen for intellectualism. And we, we think mental assent is knowledge, and it's not. We know the verses, We can quote the verses. Okay? And so because we can, we think we got it. But I'm here to tell you, biblical knowledge is not intellectual. It's experiential. Anything that is not manifest in your life, you don't know it. We got to get rid of that. I have it in my mind because that's not going to help you. I'm talking about um, conscious thinking. Listen, believers, they know what to say at church. (laughs) That's intellectualism. It's having it in your conscious thought. But I'm talking about to, to truly be transformed, it has to become a part of your subconscious thought. In fact, I was looking at some studies. They believe that 90% of your life comes from your subconscious thinking. 
Because generally we are living our life and making our decisions unaware. We are. Most of your decisions are made out of what you believe in the subconscious. So you have to meditate on the word to where you identify so fully with who you are in Christ that it starts to change the way that you think on a subconscious level, which is, the, is what gives the Holy Spirit the ability to empower you. I can prove it. We say we believe certain things, but then when we come into contrary evidence, we waver. That shows me that what I truly believe on a subconscious level is not in harmony with what I say I believe on the conscious level. And the reason why is we haven't taken the time to truly meditate on those things to where it transforms our soul. And we are so in agreement with what the word declares about us that we can't be moved. That's what faith is. It's being fully persuaded that what God says is true, even in the face of evidence that's contrary. And the Holy Spirit came to give resonance to the Word of God. That's how He operates, is He bears witness. That's what the Word says in, in the Scripture. In other words, he, he resonates with truth from within. You see what I'm saying? When, when the truth of God's word comes, you may waver in your mind, but your spirit is going, yes! Your spirit is saying, when you, by the stripes of Jesus, you were healed. The spirit of the Holy Spirit's going, yes! That's true. Right? He works with resonance. He bears witness to truth. He bears witness to truth. It's kind of like if you had two pianos up here, acoustic ones. Resonance is you go over and you start hitting middle C on one. Before long, the other one will start to sound off middle C. That's what it is. When the word's coming forth, truth is coming forth, the spirit starts resonating and sounding off with the agreement to the truth. That's how it works. The Holy Spirit was given to bear witness to the truth. Look at John chapter 16. This is where I was last time. John 16 verse 12. Jesus said this. I always like to add this one because it's, to me it's such an amazing statement. He's talking to the disciples. He said, I still have many things to say to you but you cannot bear them now. People have a problem with this or have a hard time with this, but Jesus' teaching was incomplete. It wasn't wrong. It was incomplete. There were many things Jesus wanted to reveal, but he couldn't until the Holy Spirit came because we didn't have the ability to bear them. That's why you have Paul revealing mysteries. The word mysteries in the New Testament isn't things you can't know. It's things that weren't previously revealed in the other dispensation. But now, everything has been revealed. Now everything has been revealed. 
He says, however, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into how much truth? All truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. Now listen, here it is. He is called the spirit of truth, which means reality. The word truth means reality in the Greek. You can go look it up. It's aletheia. And it means reality. The Holy Spirit came to lead us into another reality. Mm. Man, I can't get away from this. It says, he will glorify me for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Basically, he's going to reveal to you another reality about who you are. Because when you get born again, you become a new person. A new creation, Jesus. Paul said, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. Do you know you can't discern that by your senses? You can only know it by revelation from the Holy Spirit. This is one of the things Jesus, uh, the Holy Spirit came to do. Take what is mine, Jesus said, and declare it to you. You know what that means? It means what is true of him. I said it means what is true of him is true of you. You got to get this settled, man. What is true of him is true of you. I, I'll, say, I'll say this. I am as righteous as Jesus is. You say, well, that sounds kind of arrogant. But not because of me. It's because of my union with him. I am as righteous as Jesus is because Jesus is my righteousness. What's true of him is true of me. I have just as much access to the Father as Jesus has. That's why Hebrews says to boldly come to the throne of grace that you may receive mercy and grace to help in your time of need. What's true of him is true of me. What's true of him is true of you. Why? You are one spirit with him. And he didn't take on your nature. You took on his My goodness. That's awesome stuff. No wonder it's called the good news. (laughs) Listen, when he and I came together, he he didn't take on my character. I took on his. In fact, I died and was raised again with him. You've got to come to that. You need to settle that. What's true of him is true of you. I don't care what it looks like on the outside. If you've been born again, if you haven't been born again, it's not. But if you have been born again, what's true of him is true of you. You've got to get your identity right. You know the battle right now in our culture is about identity. Why? Because identity is the power that drives the direction of your life. It drives your choices. That's why they're trying to confuse kids about their identity. So that they'll live their life in a way that is not the way God designed them to live. It's identity. Identity is powerful. In fact, the Bible says that as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. You can't live outside of what you believe about yourself. Your life is exactly what you believe about yourself. So if you want your life to change, you've got to change what you believe about yourself. And the enemy is trying to reinforce a false identity in your life so you'll live out of harmony with what God created and designed you to be. He wants you to 
Base your identity on what you see in the world and on your mistakes, on your failures. You're not, that's not who you are. Listen, we all, because we start out in Christ as babes, we all fail and fall along the way. Everybody does. This, high, this idea that people hide their stuff is not healthy. We need to be real about our failures and our faults. But it doesn't change my identity. He's my reality. Oh, my goodness. Next verse. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said that he will take a mine and declare it to you. So not only identity, but inheritance. We share it. What's true of him is true of me. What belongs to him belongs to me. The devil's going to come along and try to convince you that you can't have that. You got to know. Because all he's got is deception. He's going to try and convince you that you're someone you're not. And he's going to try to convince you that you don't have what belongs to you. What's true of him is true of me. What belongs to him belongs to me. I've been qualified to be a partaker of the inheritance of the saints in life. And the Holy Spirit came to reveal these things to us. If we would sit down with him, he would convince us. He's the convincer. (laughs) He's the convincer. He wants to bear witness. That's what it means when it says he bears witness to the truth. The truth is spiritual realities. They're things that you can't know by your senses, but that are real through your union with Jesus. He is trying to convince you of that because he knows if he ever could, you would live it out. Oh, and the enemy's trying to blind you to these truths so that you'll live in, you'll live contrary to, man, I'm, I'm trying Look at this in 1 Corinthians 2. As it is written, I has not seen nor ear heard nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. You know, I've heard that a lot of people stop reading right there and they say, well, you see, you just can't know the things of God. But I wish they would just read on. It says, but God has revealed them to us through his spirit. For the spirit searches all things. Yes, the deep things of God. These are the deep things of God. When you talk about identity and you talk about inheritance, people go, oh, you're just talking about ABCs and shallow stuff. No, I'm talking about getting a deeper revelation of the truth. The deep things of God. The Spirit searches these things and He reveals them to us as our reality. For what man can, for what man knows the things of a man except the Spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. We can't know them outside of the Spirit. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit of God, that we might know. The things that have been freely given to us by God. Freely given, those two words right there are one Greek word, charizomai, which means grace. He's talking about the things that have been given to us by grace through the death, burial, resurrection, ascension of Jesus Christ. And the Holy Spirit was sent then. He descended 
so that he could make those real to us. The ministry of the Holy Spirit is predominantly trying to convince you of the realities of your union with Christ. Why? So you'll rise up in those and you'll operate in the power and the authority of the kingdom and you'll walk in his spirit and you won't be dominated by your flesh. The first place you're going to have that you need to have dominion in your life isn't over the devil, it's over your flesh. Cuz if you can't say no to your flesh, then you can't say no to the devil. Oh my goodness. Why? Cuz he uses your flesh to get access to your life. We read it in the book of James. That's the access point through your flesh. Peter said this, he said, the devil goes about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. You know what that says? He can't just come along and devour anybody. He's got to look, like, look for somebody he's got access to. How does he get access? Someone who's not walking in the spirit. That's how he gets access. And how do we begin to learn to walk in the spirit? We get engaged in the process of sitting with the word and letting the Holy Spirit convince us of the truth. Make it a reality to us so that we believe it. We say we believe these things. Uh Uh-oh. I said, we say we believe these things. But if we really believed it, we would have the fruit of it. If we really believed it, we would have the fruit of it. We say we believe it, but we're self-deceived because we walk away and we forget. That's what James said. He said, the man who is a doer of the word, who walks in it, is someone who looks in the mirror, sees what manner of man he is. But if he walks away and forgets, that's what he's talking about. He's talking about that the, the, the word is a mirror that shows us who we are in the spirit. And if we walk away and forget, then we're not going to act out what we saw. We have to sit with the spirit and the word and let the Holy Spirit convince us of the truth. Man. Hallelujah. I feel like... I have so much more I'd want to say. <laughs> can I just give you some verse references that you can look at? Go read uh, Romans 8, verses 15 through 17. I'm just talking about on your own time because I don't have time to go through them, but I wanted to. But it shows that the Spirit bears witness to our identity and our inheritance. That's what it says. He bears witness to the fact that we are, that God's our father, that we're his children. He sent the spirit of his son into our heart. He bears witness to us that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. He says the same thing in the book of Galatians, chapter four, verses six and seven say that he sent the spirit of his son into our heart whereby we cry, Abba, Father. He's convincing us of our true identity, which is a child of God. Too many are basing 
their belief in that on their experience. And they're missing out. And that we're heirs. They're trying to qualify. People are trying to qualify themselves to be a partaker of something they've already been qualified to partake of. They're waiting. The enemy's keeping you in limbo. You can partake. You have been qualified to be a partaker. Your pastor started this series out with the verses talking about the love of God, the grace of Christ, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. You know what the word fellowship means? To partake. The Holy Spirit came to make us able to partake of everything the grace of Christ provided for us. And it was the love of God that inspired him to come and provide it. Man, I'm going to tell you this morning, got to meditate on those truths. Meditate on those truths. Cast down every imagination that exalts itself against the knowledge of Christ, that says anything contrary to that. Anything contrary. For now we are the sons of God. Now we are the sons of God. Oh man, now you are the body. Members. What's true of the head is true of the body. Oh, we are unified with him so that we can share in his life. Hallelujah. Come on, let's just stand. Thank you, Father. First of all, I thank you that we have the witness within ourselves that you are our Father. You sent the spirit of your Son into our heart whereby we cry, Abba. Hallelujah, that we cry, Abba. Oh, and that because we're children, we're heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. Oh, Father God, that we have the same inheritance as Jesus. And Holy Spirit, I thank you that you witness, that you bear witness, that you resonate in the hearts of the people this morning that what belongs to you belongs to them, Father God. I thank you, Father, that all of the blessings and all of the benefits of heaven are theirs now, Father God, that any sickness or disease or addiction or disorder or fear or depression or anxiety, it doesn't belong to them. These are lying spirits trying to convince them that that's who they are. But I just speak to the spirit on the inside of you right now. And I just declare that you are able to speak forth, speak forth the truth. Oh, that by the stripes of Jesus, you were healed. Speak it forth, speak it forth. Say, I'm a child of God. I'm an heir of God. I'm a joint heir with Jesus. That what's true of Him, His victory, His victory, His resurrection life, His seating at the right hand of God. What belongs to Him belongs to me. Hallelujah. His name, His name, the name of Jesus, it belongs to me. And when I speak the name of Jesus, all of hell has to bow. Every effect of sin has to bow. Every sickness, every disease, every disorder has to bow to the name 
that is above every name. Hallelujah. Yes. Jesus. 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 Hallelujah. Yes. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, I speak Jesus over every problem, every lie. Hallelujah. We're coming out. I said, we're coming out. I said, we're coming out. Thank you, Lord. We don't need to be healed. We are healed. We don't need to be delivered. We are delivered. We don't need to be blessed. We are blessed. We need to begin to get in agreement with what the word of truth has declared. Let the Holy Spirit bear witness to the truth, to the reality that through our union with Jesus and our fellowship with the Holy Spirit, that we already are delivered, that we already are blessed, that we already are healed. We begin to... Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Mm, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Go ahead and sing that. reality, Lord. You are our reality. Sing that again, brother. Sing that again.
define us, Lord. Nothing else. Nothing else defines us. No experience. No circumstance. Only your thoughts, your words define who we are, Lord. You are our reality. Oh, we thank you, Holy Spirit, that you bear witness to the truth. That you resonate within us to the truth. Hallelujah. And dispel every lie of the enemy. Lord, the entrance of your word brings light. It brings light. And the light of your word releases life. Oh, hallelujah. We thank you, Lord, for your goodness. We thank you, Lord. Draw us in, Holy Spirit. Draw us in to the reality of who we are in Christ. Oh, hallelujah. Give us a depth of revelation of these things that we might walk in and display your divine light and nature and character in this world, that we bring an experience of heaven in our homes, in our church, in our community. Oh, that you be glorified. That not only we would operate in the power of God, but by the nature and the character. That we might demonstrate lives that are free. That we might walk in the demonstration of love and joy peace, wholeness. Thank you, Lord. Mm, We give you praise. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. We thank you, Jesus. And I just feel like I just want to let that sit. Put action to it. Go home, take those verses. Sit down, meditate. Give the Holy Spirit the opportunity to resonate with those truths. Let Him make it real to you. That's what He wants to do. He is the Spirit of truth, Spirit of reality. I was a kid, my grandpa was a pastor, and of course, the tune was kind of, it was kind of different than the worship music, we, but they used to sing, real, 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 he's so real to me, the things of God have to become real, they had a hold of something there, this has to become our reality, can't just live outside of the awareness of the Holy Spirit five days a week <laughs> and then two days try to get in. That's not going to work. We got to be convinced. The Holy Spirit is the convincer. It's His ministry to us. I don't know that we value who He is truly and what He was sent to do. Jesus said, it's to your advantage that I go away. Because if I don't go, the Holy Spirit won't come. Oh man, we're living in. <laughs> we're living in 
what Jesus said would be more advantageous than having him here in his physical body. To not just have God with us, but in us. Oh my goodness, transforming us from the inside out. Hallelujah. We thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Well, I just want to say that if you're here this morning, of course, the Lord loves you. He wants to meet your needs. If you've never made Jesus Lord of your life, the Bible says that if you confess him as Lord and believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. We want to open that up to anyone who would come and receive Jesus. provided you the ability to walk free of those and we would love to minister to you about that this morning so I'm going to release you all but I'm going to have the ministers come forward so don't leave without coming up if you're struggling we are the body of Christ we're here for you we're here for you we want to minister to you so don't leave without coming and coming into agreement with somebody and letting them pray with you see you walk out of here free In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, you're dismissed.